0: Super, super pumped to uh, to continue on the series that we're we're in the middle of. If you guys have been here for the last couple of weeks, you know that uh, three weeks ago, uh, maybe four weeks ago, I don't know how that quite works. It was the first three weeks of the series. This is the fourth week. Um, pastor Jake, who is pastor of this ministry, um, started a series going into the personality of Jesus. We Really got introduced to uh, much of of the awakening, if I could say it that way, of the personalities of Jesus through a specific book um, that I, I think we've referenced a couple times. But it's it's called Beautiful Outlaw by by John Eldridge. John Eldridge is one of my all time favorite authors. He wrote Wild at Heart. If you're familiar with that, it's a, a Guy's book, but I highly suggest that women read it as well. But it's really God's Heart for Men. Then they also, him and his wife wrote Captivating, which is God's Heart for Women. And I highly suggest that guys read that one as well. So, like, find someone and then read the two and then switch them and then read the other one. Um, but then he also wrote this book. And uh, this I read back in 2013, going into 2014, and it drastically changed the way that I approached Scripture because it drastically opened up my concept of who Jesus was. This book really started to introduce me to the personality of Jesus that uh, I was missing because I had a particular set of lenses when I was going to Scripture. So um, I have a copy that I wanted to give away tonight. So who in here would like a signed copy of Beautiful Outlaw? Who uh, Does anybody have a birthday this month? When? When's your birthday? This Saturday? Is it closer, John? As close as here you go. You get a signed copy. Yes, see me afterwards and I will sign it. Um, (laughs) I didn't say by who. Uh, (laughs) This is sealed, so it's not signed. And I will not sign this. I also probably won't sign that. I'm sorry. Um, I'll, I'll inscribe it. I'll say... Enjoy this book. Love, Nick. Um, anybody in here have a small group that you would really, really enjoy going through the curriculum of Beautiful Outlaw uh, with? Discipleship program. program. will yeah. We Any? Yeah. All right. Over here. <laughs> First hand. Here you are. That is the uh, the video curriculum. So, uh an amazing, amazing book. If you guys haven't read it, I highly suggest picking up a copy and uh, and just seeing how it unlocks scripture for you guys as well. Um, can I can I actually share a funny story about Beautiful Outlaw? <laughs> so I <laughs> I had read the book, 2013 going into 2014, and um, John Eldridge owns Ransom Heart. He's the CEO of a company called Ransom Heart who puts out all the curriculum. And um, they had released a, a special. It was amazing. I just finished the book, and they, they had this big special to where it was, if you, if you wanted, you could get 10 copies of the book for free. You just paid for shipping. They really wanted to have small groups go through it and everything like that. And I was, like, so amped up and so hyped on the book that I was like, yes, I go in. And as I'm trying to remember my password, I remembered that I had three other accounts with Ransomed Heart. (laughs) So I went on under the first email, and I I got 10 free copies. And then I went on under my second email, and I got 10 free copies. And then I went on under my third and then fourth, and ended up having 40 copies show up, shipped to me. And I was so excited until I started opening the boxes, and I felt the conviction of the Lord (laughs) come upon me. And I, I was looking at all these books going like, What was I doing? (laughs) I felt like absolutely terrible. So I literally, I remember I was sitting in the car in my dad's driveway and I call up Ransomed Heart and I'm waiting on the phone and it's just ringing and it was like, it it started and I was like, all of a sudden my my gut just sunk because I had to tell him, but it was the recording and it was like, press one if you want to speak to a real person and I was about to hang up and I was like, okay, one. And there's this amazing, nice, young lady that answered the phone. She's like, hello. I was like, hey, uh, I'm I'm calling. This is a little awkward. You guys have the, the like, get 10 free copies of Beautiful Outlaw. She's like, yeah, did you want to get 10? I said, well, I actually got 40. <laughs> and and I was, I had just come on staff at Res too, at this time. <laughs> And and I I, had gotten all the books because I wanted to give them out to our volunteers. But again, I still felt the conviction. And and she's like, oh, you got 40. I was like, yeah, I had four different accounts with you guys. And as I was remembering my emails and all that, I just, I I went kind of crazy and I got the 40. (laughs) She's like, okay, well, there's like a long pause. She's like, can you honestly tell me that you have 40 people? To give it out to, I was like, "Oh, totally! I work at a church." <laughs> it was just—it was absolutely. T- I didn't tell her what church I worked at. And then there was another pause, and she's like giggling on the other end. She's like, "Well, uh, you're forgiven, and uh, way to beat the system. <laughs> Be blessed." I was like, "So I'm good." And like, she's like, "Yeah." I was like, oh. "All right." <laughs> Hung up and gave it out to all of our volunteers, and I should probably pray. Listen to our message. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's, our, that's the end of the story. So, um, <laughs> Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for today. I thank you for the forgiveness that I received five years ago. And Jesus, we just want to know you. Jesus, we recognize that you are so beautiful. That you are so complex. And Jesus, that there is absolutely no end to being able to experience your personality and who you are. Holy Spirit, we prayed it tonight. We, we sang it tonight, but we just ask for eyes to see and ears to hear. Papa, we just want to receive from you. And Jesus, we just want a, a right picture of who you are. We just want to taste and see that you are good. We just want to know you into the depths of your heart. We thank you that you've shown up tonight. We thank you that you're right here in our presence. And I get out of your way. I just ask that it be your words tonight. Jesus, that we could celebrate you, that we could look to you, that we could be transformed into your image and likeness in your presence. And Holy Spirit, you have your way in this place. We love you. We love you. We love you. We praise you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I just, I, I absolutely love this series because we could go so many different directions with this. Uh, my My discipleship group we 're about to start into uh, the four gospels in this next month we 're going to read a gospel each week and and i 'm so so excited every single time I go into the Gospels to be able to meet Jesus there and to see what new fresh revelation he wants to offer to us as we go into the gospels. I honestly think that that if you have absolutely no place or no idea where to start into the scriptures, if you just read through the Gospels and just ask the question of who is Jesus, it'll be the most beautiful journey that you could ever go on. John says in 1 John, and I, I just absolutely wanted, I love this, and I want to start off this week to just kind of reset us. I kind of mentioned this in a, in a different way last week, but just to reset us what Scripture is actually designed to do, especially New Testament, um, but really all of Scripture is designed to point us to Christ everything is designed to point us to Christ. If you do a an, it's called an Old Testament survey. There's all sorts of classes that will do Old Testament surveys and really what it does is it breaks down every single book of the Old Testament and shows how it's a prophetic declar- declaration and also the the times where Christ stepped into the Old Testament to reveal himself to a certain degree, but every single book of the Old Testament points to the coming of Christ, points to the life of Christ, and then every single book of the New Testament talks about that very life and the life that he offered to us. In 1 John 1, 1 through 4 says it this way. I'm going to read from the message because I think it just puts it into amazing words. John says, from the very first day we were there, taking it all in, say we were there, We heard it with our own ears, saw it with our own eyes, and verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes, and we've seen it happen. Remember last week, we talked uh, John 1, and we looked at the message. Translation says, in the word of God became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And now John's again talking about, we were there, right in front of him we seen him. We touched him. We heard him. The word of life appeared right before our eyes, and we saw it happen. And now we're telling you this in the most straightforward way, that we were witnesses, that what we were witnesses of was incredibly this. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. Say, took shape. We saw it. We heard it. And now we're telling you so that you can experience it alongside with us. We saw it. We heard it. The word of life became flesh. He moved into the neighborhood. We walked along with him and we're writing these things so that way you can what? Experience it alongside us. This experience of communion with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this, too. To enjoy what, too? Experiencing Jesus. Your joy will be doubled our joy. Or another way to say it is, we want you to know Him so that our joy would be made complete. He's saying, John's saying, My joy is dead unless I get to tell you about him and unless you get to experience him because what I experienced was so amazing, was so beautiful. My life is nothing apart from telling you about him. Why is he telling us about him? Who's going to answer? For us to what? Experience Experience him. Thank you. Jared's always on point. Thanks, buddy. I just think it's an amazing place to start. It's understanding that this scripture once again was written in a way for us to experience him. I've said this so many times, it's it's one of my favorite places to point because it illustrates this point so well. But Jesus looks at the Pharisees and he says, you search these scriptures because you think in them is life, but it's they that point to me, Jesus, and you won't even come to me. The Pharisees missed the point. Jesus Christ, life incarnate, was standing right in front of them and they missed the point. Why did they miss the point? Because they had a wrong idea of who he was going to be, so they missed him when he was standing right in front of him. How much more can we miss him when we go into this or when we walk through life when we have a wrong idea of him? It's not just a religious idea. Sometimes it's another idea. But if we don't have who he is in our mindset, when we see something that is incongruent with what we're looking for, we will miss what he's trying to give us in the first place. This make sense? That's why I love this series. Absolutely love this series. Do you guys love this series? I hope so. I hope this series opens you guys up to be able to go on your own journey through scripture to discover the person of Jesus, not to project the person of Jesus, but to open the book and go, God, reveal to me who you say you are. I'm going to approach these scriptures. I'm going to approach the gospels. I'm going to approach the words about Christ to allow them to scribe on my heart how I'm going to see Jesus. And there's so much personality in that. He's so much different than the Jesus that religion has painted him to be, this two-dimensional. Jake said it in the first couple of weeks, this two-dimensional Jesus. Jesus Christ was not just words on a page. He was actually a person that walked with, and John said, we beheld him. We walked with him, we talked with him, we communed with him, we touched him, and now we get to offer that to you, and we truly have a supernatural way of going into Scripture to be able to walk with Jesus, to be able to talk with Jesus, and yes, to be able to touch Jesus in our encounters with him in Scripture. It's so, so beautiful. I love emojis. I, I say it all the time. I, I think emojis, and I have a reason for switching so quickly. I think emojis are, are honestly one of the best inventions within text-based communication. Seriously. Like, I, I, before emojis came around, I would send a text, and if you guys ever sent a text and you had a meaning in mind and you sent it, and then then they read it, and and you're sending it with a smile on their face on your face, and then they get it and they're like, "What a jerk." And then they send something back, and I'm like, "What the? No, 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 no! You took it out of context. But now with emojis, I could send it, and then send the like laughing, crying smiley face. Like, ah. I like that they added like you know recently they added the one that's like the the tilted, yeah, yeah. And, and it's hey, and there's a, a laughing, crying smiley face, and and it's just amazing. And, and then also gifts, and then when they came out with gifts or gifs or whatever. It's gifts. Um, when they came out with gifts, it made it even better. And I, I just, like, sometimes my buddy Kelly and I, we have, we have like, just an entire gift conversation. <laughs> you guys ever had that? So <laughs> where you just send something, and it's, like, a gift, and then it's, like, uh-huh. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, half an hour later, you're, like, scrolling, and you're, like, wow, we just sent 1,000 gifts. And I know exactly what he's saying. There's just these ways of development within the text-based communication that we didn't have before. And when we send emails or anything like that, that's actually why I prefer typically a face-to-face conversation. Here at ResLife, and if you ask anybody, all of our staff members will say, and Vicki, where's Vicki at? at Vicki had to like ingrain in me to actually read my emails here at Res, because I absolutely hated emails. I hated taking, like, things would get taken out of context, and I would rather walk, and and we have, like, an airplane church, like an airport, I'd rather walk from one end of the church to the other end and have a face-to-face conversation, because I can convey, and I can connect, and I can see what your your face is doing, and you can see what my face is doing, and we're not going to misunderstand each other, but email is the communication form of Res Life Church. And, and yes, Vicky is so proud of me. She literally had to like, I, I would wake up in the middle of the night with Vicky's words in my mind, like email is the, you know, scary. Vicki, you're not scary. I'm just saying it was it, like, it was, <laughs> I digress. And I, I wonder how often we do the same thing when we go into scripture to where we read it without the emotional context of the, the scripture, and we start to put things in or take things out of places to where there was actually some emotional deposit in the transcription of the actual interaction, because how many of you guys know that Jesus didn't just come as words on a page? He actually came as a person who was interacting with people. That then got transcribed to be able to share with us. So in his interactions with people there was emotion. In his interactions with people, there was facial expressions and he would laugh, cry, smiley face thing. And then there was like uh, all the other emojis, you know, like not all the other emojis. There's some weird emojis out there. But anyway, and I just, I I was thinking this morning, I was at a coffee shop just working through this and I was going, "I, I wonder what it would look like, like if if we put some of the context of scripture into our, our modern day understanding, not to take it out of context, but to, uh, to just kind of put it into a place to where we can understand and and like, I wonder what it would look like if some of the conversations that Jesus was communicating was through text and then he added an emoji with it for us to be able to actually take on the, the context that he meant it in, right? The times where he was a little bit more jesting, um, the times where he was a little bit more savage, you know? <laughs> I, I just, I know that Jesus was the most incredible communicator ever to live the way he would communicate was absolutely incredible. It was incredible enough in a way to where he was able to sit down with tax collectors, with sinners, with drunkards, with all these things, and have beautiful relationship with them around the table, beautiful conversations with them around the table, but then go and have conversations with the teachers and the Pharisees and the scribes of the day and be able to talk to them at their level and actually challenge them at their level as well. We just had a, a conference here at Res and... One of the speakers that came through was Matt Keller. And actually, all the speakers and communicators that came through were incredible, incredible communicators. But with Matt Keller specifically, and if you don't know Matt Keller, look him up. He has a, a podcast on leadership. And the way that he communicates is absolutely incredible. And I was, I was taking notes. We had a, a notebook from the conference, and I was taking notes on this side of the page of the content that he was delivering And then I was taking notes on this side of the page of the way that he would deliver content. He would offer different points. And then before he moved on to the next point, he would recap the previous points. And then he would have you vocalize things. And when you vocalize things, you're activating different areas of your brain. And he would draw pictures. And, and that's pretty consistent all the way through all the different messages that he gives. And I've been watching them for a while. And, and these things are just ways of being able to communicate to meet a wide range of people on multiple different levels. And we see that exact same thing in Jesus. He would build pictures, Parables. But he would also cut to the quick. We had a, another guest, or a, a communicator come through. Her name is Charlotte Gamble. If you were here, you know that she came and she said, some people come to deliver the sweets. I came to deliver the veggies. And, and it was like words that were just cutting to the core and just cut to the quick and, and just pierced and revealed and unveiled and just brought you to your knees going, oh, my word, I didn't even realize that was in there. And Jesus did both. And then there was other guys that go up and it's like bro time. They go up there and they're just cracking jokes and you're laughing, you know. I receive very much when I'm laughing, right? When I, if you could deliver something in a funny context, like sarcasm is my love language and I receive so well. If you could just package it up in a funny little, Mikey's right there with me. Bro, I love you. <laughs> Do you guys know what I mean? But sometimes we could go in and and we read through, and especially if we're reading large chunks and if we're trying to do it early in the morning or late at night, if I read early in the morning, I'm still waking up. If I read late at night, I'm shutting down. And it's like, I just start to go through it and it starts to just become words on the page. And it's just monotone to where it goes all the way through. And I go to the next one, to the next one. Then I'm just looking ahead going, oh, I wonder how many pages I could get through to feel like I checked the box tonight. Just being real. But Jesus was a master communicator, and if we go into Scripture and we don't realize that there is different contextual and, and and emotional and, as we've been saying, personality trait-wise ways that he would communicate, we could just read through it. And it just becomes a monotone or that that Jesus voice that I came out with last week of just, now we're just going to go through and I'm just going to. And there, there's so much in here. And I just want to cover a couple things. And this is not I'm not covering all the personalities of Jesus, but I just want to cover a couple different areas that might present a part of Jesus in the way that he would communicate that we might not see if we don't slow down to see that he actually interacted with these people and that there was actually things going on and there was actually people standing around. And we have to think through the concept of when he was communicating with someone, There was also other people that were sitting around receiving the information and watching the interactions happen as well. And I I, I like to sit and I like to think, what was going on in their faces? How were they receiving? When Jesus would address someone and when he would starkly address someone, what were the disciples thinking? Because these were his boys, right? (laughs) This was his crew. Mikey, right? (laughs) Mikey's my crew. (laughs) I, I, I put three emojis up, so... We have this one I, I put this one up for a lack of better. This isn't just like Jesus in the sunshine emoji. This is like savage Jesus. you know that thing where it's like the glasses come you know and <laughs> da, 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 da that's like savage Jesus. move on this is like snarky Jesus, like he knows he's getting in there and he's poking at some things, and then we have the the laughing, crying Jesus, and again, this isn't the full context of how Jesus would communicate, but when we start to think through the aspect of emojis, it might actually start to put it back into the context that we can relate with. So first of all, savage Jesus. Come on. Jesus was savage. Hey, you're going to hear that savage Jesus, Mike. <laughs> Luke 13, 31 through 32. Jesus is on his way into Jerusalem. And I I just love this. Because this is different than so much of the picture that I have of Jesus in my mind. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus. He's moving through towns on his way into Jerusalem. Some Pharisees cut him off on the road. And they say to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus replied, go tell that fox... I will keep on driving out demons, and I will heal and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I will reach my goal. This is (laughs) savage. It's short, I know, but it's savage Jesus. Pharisees come up, they stop him in the road, and they go, no, no, no. We're here to warn you. Herod's in here. He wants to kill you. And Jesus looks at him. You go tell that fox. There's no, like, if you look this up and you do a word, there's no, like, like, he's not trying to be, oh, oh, fox represents. No, he's literally just attacking. You go tell Herod, that fox, that I have my business to do, and I'm going to do it, and on the third day, I'm going to complete my mission. Savage Jesus. (laughs) Right? Imagine the, the disciples, they're sitting here, and they're I mean, these guys are the, the skittish ones. Peter's the one that cuts off the ear when the centurion guards come in to take Jesus. And, and this, these Pharisees, however many I picture two, two Pharisees, whatever, however many it was, some come in, they stop Jesus, and the disciples are on the sideline like, we should not go in here. Herod's in here. He wants to kill you. You're our Lord. And Jesus, I picture cool, calm, and collective, you go tell that fox, <laughs> Da, da 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 you know, like, if we need a gif for this, like, this would be Jesus sending that text, and bink, and then sending the gif afterwards of, like, Snoop Dogg or something, probably not, I don't know that Jesus would do that, but you guys get the context of what I'm saying, let's move on, Matthew 23, 15, Matthew 23, like, I encourage you to go look through, They're, like, savage Jesus is all throughout Matthew 23, that is, like, savage chapter, but Matthew 23 says, Woe to you teachers the, and the law of the Pharisees, or of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. Talking to the Pharisees. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you have made them twice the sons of hell as you are. <laughs> these are, <laughs> are Jesus' words. How many of you guys would know that if somebody walked into the church and walked up to someone and said, you know what, you're making them twice as sons of hell as you are, it would get quiet. (laughs) (laughs) And you'd be like, "Uh, that's not a very Christian thing to say, but these are red letter words. (laughs) (laughs) Savage Jesus. Twice as sons of hell as you are. That means that they're sons of hell. And they're producing sons of hell, and uh, that was Jesus. <laughs> Savage, Je- you guys are—you guys are way too quiet right now. <laughs> like, read your Bible and see that this is in there. <laughs> I'm not making these things up; it, it's actually in there. We see it. We'll come back to Savage Jesus in a minute. What about? sarcastic Jesus and I I understand the context of sarcasm isn't like jabbing at someone and I'm not necessarily saying that although there are times where he did take jabs at the uh, conceptual and perceptual mechanisms of the Pharisees the way that they thought he would make strong jabs at that like twice the sons of hell as you are that's a jab at their thought process not necessarily at them realize that we do not war against flesh and blood but against principalities, powers, it's the lofty thoughts that raise themselves to the power of Christ or to the knowledge of Christ, right? So when we see these things to where Jesus is still very much relational, so when he's attacking and he's jabbing and he's doing all that, like he's, he's going after the, the mindsets that are so embedded in their hearts in trying to shake up the soil, to loosen the soil, to be able to sow good seed. Later on, many Pharisees came to follow Christ, Right? And not all the Pharisees are are bad guys, but he was attacking a thought process. So I just want to make that out there, that Jesus isn't attacking people, but it's still interesting to see the words that he would share with those people. So on sarcasm, I'm not necessarily talking about the area to where he's like jabbing at people. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking more about like the hyperbole, the funny statements, the witty Jesus, and the the fun and games way that he would communicate, okay? Okay. All right. So Mark 3:13 This is where Jesus is calling his crew up, right? He's calling the 12 up to the mountain and he's about to establish who his core discipleship group is. We're going to stop about halfway through where he's establishing who his disciples are. But I just think it's Very funny to see the way that he's communicating with them. So it says, Mark 3, 13 through 17, Jesus went up onto the mountainside and called to him those he wanted. And they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 that he appointed. We're going to do just the first three because this is his inner crew. So Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. We're going to come back to that in a second. And then James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to whom he gave, to them he gave. (laughs) Do we have another mic up here? I'm just going to switch over to this mic. And it's on. Ooh, and my voice sounds warmer with this one. All right. And then James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to them he gave the name Boanerges, which praise the Lord, they gave us the translation, which means sons of thunder. It sounds so much cooler than Boanerges. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure their, their look was probably exactly. And you guys, you are Boanerges. And they're like. He's like Sons of Thunder. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> this is absolutely incredible. So Jesus calls the the, the boys up, right? There's, there's 12 of the guys. These are all blue-collar workers, right? And we think, oh, Jesus probably, you know, did he have a sense of humor? Have you ever gotten 13 guys into a room? It's literally... I think it's probably scientifically proven it's only 15 minutes before they make a fart joke. <laughs> Which could be sons of thunder, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but th- this is just amazing. He calls the guys up and and he's he literally he deems the first 3 and then he, he like there's nicknames that he gives the three. This is, this is how real Jesus is within his relationship. It goes through the rest, and like there's Simon the Zealot, but I don't know that that's a nickname except for how everyone knew them. But then he, he renames Simon Peter, which we know later on. Right. He he names him Peter because he gets this great revelation. He says it's on this rock that the church is going to be built. And we know that Simon was shaky ground, shifty ground. And then Peter meant solid rock. He's calling him Rocky. You are Rocky. and Peter's like, yes, but he was still shaky ground. (laughs) Because at this point, he was still shaky ground for much of Scripture. He was still shaky ground. So this is like a, an inside joke almost. Yes, it's reestablishing identity, but then it's also kind of an inside joke within the crew, right? I, when, I, when I was going to Granville High School back in 2005, I graduated. I, I had a, a crew that we sat with. We were down. If you ever been to Granville? Actually, I can't say this. They probably remodeled the entire, church, or the entire school since I've been there because I'm old. But there was this one hallway that, that there was like 15 of us that would sit down the halls. And we had nicknames for each other, right? And we called this one guy, Smiles. He never smiled. (laughs) But that was the joke. Oh, he's smiley. Smiles, because he never smiles, right? Oh, hey, what's up, Smiles? Hey, what's up? You know, and it just became a part of the clique. Here, Jesus is calling Simon Peter, the rock, who isn't the rock yet. (laughs) He's calling James and John the sons of thunder, Later on, James and John would come up to Jesus, and they're going, they're not, actually, I have the scripture. We can just read it. Where's my notepad? <laughs> Luke 9, 5, 51 through 54, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus re- resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into the Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading from Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, sons of what? Thunder. Saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? This is the sons of thunder. These are the inside jokes within the crew of of Jesus. He's going, this is James and John. They're bulls in a china shop. They're sons of thunder. (laughs) Apparently, I think this is way more funny than you guys do. This is the three that he took up to the Mount of Transfiguration that had a greater relationship with him. So it's no wonder that he would rename them or give them nicknames. And yes, he was establishing for Peter, even specifically, a new identity and a new nature. But at the same time, we see much throughout as he's calling him Peter, he still hadn't stepped into the new nature. So there was still kind of an inside joke. So it's just this. Humor to Jesus' interaction with people and the way he would interact <laughs> with people. Luke 64 or 6, 41 through 42. Are you guys okay with this? Okay. Is there other ways that we see just humor in Jesus' language and the sarcasm? He's speaking my love language. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when you first yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take out the plank of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And we could see him delivering it very sternly, or we could actually get the picture that he's giving. Somewhere around here, I have an example. He said, you're so focused on the speck in the other person's eye, but bruh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, imagine, I'm like, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you, got, you got something in your eye. And Jesus is looking at me like, just waiting for me to, like, dude, seriously, seriously, you're worried about his speck? <laughs> this, is, this is humorous language. This isn't just like stern, direct. This is like he's giving beautiful pictures to where like any of the communicators that were here on Monday or any of the communicators that come in here that use humor to deliver a point. Jesus used humor to deliver a point. It's a beautiful thing. And there's so many other ways, like when we're going through scripture, when we're also seeing who he is and what he says, we should also, or we see what he says, we should also see who he is. And much like the the two sides of the notebook, we could be taking down the notes of what he's saying, taking down the notes of what he's doing, but also taking down the notes of the beautiful ways that he would interact with people. Time is running slim. <laughs> I'm close out here. I. Again, I I, I hope that you guys are hearing what I'm saying, that there's so much to the person of Jesus, and we need to see things through the way that John tried to describe, that the words on the page were actually pointing to a life that was lived, not just words on a page. And that when we go into Scripture and we allow ourselves to be engulfed in Scripture, when I sit there and I think, like, what were the disciples thinking when he, like, had that zinger for the Pharisees? <laughs> they're probably, you, you guys have seen the, the like, rap off, and they're like, oh, like, how many times did the disciples do that? I don't know. Maybe none, but, and I'm not saying that everything that I, I just said here, I'm not saying that that's exactly how he said it. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm offering the idea that it it could have been. And and when we go through and we see the words of Jesus, we need to take into consideration. What could it have looked like? What could it have been? And if I was there, what would it have looked like? And actually place ourselves within the story to be able to interact because that's exactly John's intent. That's exactly Paul's intent. That's exactly really the the gospels. When you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and the other writings about Jesus, they were given to us to be able to step into the story, to be able to be transformed by the interactions with Christ, not just sitting as words on the paper. If you guys close your eyes. I said it earlier, but all these things point to the fact that Jesus was fiercely intentional to touch hearts the ways that he built the messages that he gave the conversations that he had were always meant to dive into the depths of people's hearts to either reveal wrong thinking in the pharisees or to reveal the broken nature in everyone he was constantly chasing after hearts he was never Abrupt just to be abrupt. He was always abrupt with a mission of gaining hearts and softening soil for his word to be implanted, for his life to be implanted in hearts. And he's here tonight with that same agenda for all of us. And I want you to just ask him, Jesus, what do you want to say to me? Here I am, Lord, what do you want to say? The simple question that Jesus is asking today is is will, will you remove the barriers that are standing in between you and him? Or even better, will you allow him to remove the barriers that are standing between you and him? And those barriers are false thought processes of who he is. When you go into your morning time or evening time or middle of the day time of scripture reading, will you approach it with an open heart to receive who he truly is and who he truly wants to reveal himself to you as and not just run through it, but to sit in it, meditate on it, and allow it to feed you, to challenge you, and to speak to you because he is still walking with us and he's still speaking through his living and breathing scripture. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for each and every person in here. God, I thank you for the ways that you're reintroducing yourselves to us. And I pray that if anything that I shared was incongruent, God, that, that it just wouldn't stick, but only what you have to show us would stick. Father, my words are only to open up our imaginations to be able to receive you to be able to see you as as who you are and who you walk to show us to be. So Jesus, have your way. God, we love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.